Minnesota Timberwolves traded for Jimmy Butler and fleeced the Chicago Bulls in the process. The top overall seed in the College World Series dropped two straight after losing, what, five games this year? Markel Fultz loves Chick-fil-A, and the Boston Celtics still have a ton of draft picks. This is week two of the PD and PD podcast. for a, a second week we didn't kind of let this thing fizzle out daniel got my co-host here daniel peterson as always uh, i am your host uh derek peterson daniel the draft happened thursday night and it was really boring until it really wasn't and the bulls shocked us all and traded jimmy butler to, to minnesota what what was your take were you shocked by that i'm i'm, I'm not shocked that i'm not shocked that jimmy butler got moved and I'm when you look at the deal, I'm not really shocked that Minnesota really went after him, considering the pieces that they have and the team that they have. It made sense for them. It it did make sense, and it's kind of your voice cracked there. Yeah, my voice always cracked, <laughs> and it it made a lot of sense. And it scares me as a Thunder fan because now Minnesota is going to be really good, and they're maybe one veteran piece away from being a top four seed in the Western Conference next year. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that was weird about it was the fact that not only did Chicago give up probably a top 10 player in the NBA last year to the Timberwolves, they also gave them a, a first-round draft pick. Like, they get back Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and the seventh pick. Like, you think that that's not even good enough for Jimmy Butler at, at first, and then you throw in a draft pick. It's kind of like what they did with that Oklahoma City deal last year, where they're like, "You, we want campaign. And the Thunder are like, okay, we want Doug McDermott. And they're like, here's Taj Gibson in a second-round pick, just because. Like, yeah. what is happening in Chicago? I don't trust Chicago's front office to do anything right anymore, because it just seems like they, when they set their mind to getting rid of a player, or when they set their mind to bringing someone in, they don't care what they give up to do it. And it just seems like their front office has no idea how to handle trade talks. No, it's wild. Gar, uh, Gar Pax has kind of run its course. There's a lot of people. I think there was like some kind of um, like GoFundMe campaign for buying out Gar Pax or, or some kind of like petition that people wanted to sign. There's a to petition get rid of. that had tons and tons of signatures just to fire them. Well, when I was in Chicago, there were people walking around that had hashtag fire Gar Pax shirts on it. And, and I was like, man, they just, they're awful. They're ruining the Bulls. Somebody made the comment the other day that if you take away Michael Jordan, the Bulls don't really have that great of a history. But still, they had Michael Jordan. They've got six NBA championships, and they're being ruined right now by the moves that Chicago keeps making. They're becoming the laughingstock of the NBA in the way that the Philadelphia 76ers were. Oh, okay. Sixers, okay. And I could very strongly see the Bulls being that kind of a Sixers team. Now the Sixers aren't the laughing stock anymore. And this is the way it, I viewed be, the it's because of Garpax. It's this is the way the I viewed the Kings. Making. This is the way I viewed the Kings the last couple of years. It's just awful, horrible, horrible decision making in that front office and and their president role. They're just they don't know how to trade. Um, a team that does know how to trade, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. We didn't get it before our podcast last week, if you listen to that. Uh, the Sixers traded with the Celtics 
and got the top overall pick in the draft. Also, very the Sixers kind of fleeced Boston. Well, they yeah, they got protections on that pick, and, and we thought that they were giving them uh, three and then two future firsts, and they really they were only giving them three and then one future first. Well, I expected Boston to want to bring back a player like Saric or something like that, and... Well, I don't think Philly's giving up on Dario Saric. But, 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 they got the first pick, and they drafted Markel Fultz, and now everybody is happy in Philly. Are you a Philly fan yet? Well, I don't want to be a bandwagon. I'm excited. But uh, they're gonna be really good. I'm excited. They they are. Uh, they're gonna be really good. They are hashtag league pass alert every single night right now. Especially if Joel Embiid stays healthy and Ben Simmons stays healthy. He threw a a lob. I don't know if you saw this video making the rounds on Twitter and Instagram uh, a couple days ago. He threw a lob off the back wall of the practice facility, the Sixers practice facility. Caught it midair and slammed it home. And I my excitement for Philly basketball is growing with each passing day. Did you read Marco Fultz's Players Tribune article? I did. He loves Chick Fil A, and I love him even more. Like he 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 when he was going through workouts and everything like that, uh, when he found out that he was going to Philly instead of Boston, he looked at it and he was like, "Oh well, they have a Chick Fil A in Philly. They don't have one in Boston. Works out." I was like, "Gosh, I love this kid." Uh, does Philly make the playoffs next year? Yeah, definitely. As well, an eight seed or higher. Well, I feel like they're still they're still really young. Markel Fultz is twenty, Ben Simmons is twenty one, Joel Embiid is what twenty four. They're they're still very young. Dario Saric is about twenty four. So, I, and then you got T.J. McConnell. And they're gonna James. be in the playoffs. It's just I think it'll be a bottom four part five through right. eight. But I don't think it comes down to if they can stay healthy. They are a team on the rise, sure. Joel Embiid's per thirty six numbers last year were like thirty one and ten, I think, if he was playing the entire game, and that that's just absurd. And then you've got Ben Simmons, who everybody expects to just be the next LeBron. We obviously he hasn't played a game yet, so we don't really know. But everybody expects him to be that type of uh, bigger point forward, if you will. And now you throw in Markel Fultz to the mix. Everybody says, well, he might not have been the number one pick. His team only won nine games, but he's a really dynamic scorer, and he fits in nicely next to Ben Simmons because Ben needs the ball to be effective. Markel can score in a variety of positions around the court, doesn't necessarily need to have the ball in his hands. And then you throw in Robert Covington on the wing, Dario Saric off the bench if they choose to play small, and maybe they start like Nick Stauskas or something like that, a shooting guard or TJ McConnell or something. Myself, I wouldn't be surprised to see TJ McConnell stick around in Philadelphia and start at the one with Markel Fultz at the two. That'd be interesting. Because then Markel Fultz has got the length to do it. He's what, 6'4", he's got a good wingspan. I don't have those numbers in front of me, so I don't know why I'm, you're asking me. I'm Well, I'm going off kind of memory here. I'm pretty sure he's 6'4", he's got a wingspan close to 7 feet. He's got the length to do it. I feel like if you want, he's a scorer. I feel like if you really want to, you can throw him at the two and keep McConnell at the one. And then your first guy off the bench could be, I don't know how to say his name, but Luawu. Timofei Luawu. That dude, yeah. He's a foreign guy. you got to say his name with a foreign uh, accent. Either him or Nick Stauskas. I hate you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean. They're exciting is what you're getting at. Yeah. Who won draft night for you? We're going to switch gears. Who won draft night? I think Sacramento had an incredibly good draft. Getting De'Aaron Fox at five and then being able to also go out and grab Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, 
Right, you trade away that 10th pick and you, you move down and you get two two more in the first round. And you've got a core now that's a starting lineup. You've got Darren Fox, you've got Buddy Heald, you've got Justin Jackson on the wing, you've got Scal, and you've got Harry Giles. And if they choose to keep Willie Collystein around, they've got him. And then they've got that, that Papa Giannis kid that's a prospect that they can try to trade and maybe, I don't know, add somebody else. Yeah, they they absolutely won the draft. I'm really excited about seeing anything about getting Frank Mason in the second round. I mean, which pretty much just kills Isaiah Cousins' future with the with the Kings if he had one. Yeah, I mean, it kind of uh, it kind it's kind of might have been a little early for him to go, but Frank Mason, National Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's holding him back is his is his size. Is his size, right? Yeah, he's but like he's a smaller guy, but I feel like he's going to be a very serviceable backup point guard in the NBA. You could compare him to a guy like J.J. Barea. And the Kings have had some good luck finding smaller point guards late in the second round that work. Clearly. Well, I, I guess Frank Mason wasn't late, but you got Isaiah Thomas. They didn't keep him, but they drafted him. Yeah, I mean, even if you lose Darren Collison and who's your other guy, Ty Lawson? Ty Lawson. Well, Ty Lawson's gone. Darren Collison's probably getting moved. Now you've yeah, got I mean, Darren Fox. You got those, and then you got um, Langston Galloway off Just, the bench. I mean, you don't have anything to lose because no one's expecting you to be good, so why not just throw Frank Mason in there as a backup already? Because you know De'Aaron Fox is going to be the starter. If you're Sacramento, you don't really have anything to lose because no one has any expectations for you. So why don't you just go out there opening night and starting five of... I just know, embrace the youth movement. De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, and Scal LaBissier. And Buddy's exciting, but when when they made that trade for uh, with the Pelicans at the deadline last season, everybody was... Me in, included was ragging on the Kings and just saying, "Ah, oh, they just gave away top ten player in the NBA for nothing." And Buddy Heald wasn't terrible last season with the with the the Kings. And what was it, twenty five games? He started eighteen of them. He averaged fifteen points. If he plays his entire season with the Kings, he probably wins Rookie of the Year. I mean, it was a down year last year for rookies, but he probably wins that going away. Fifteen points. What do you eat, 58% effective shooting percentage? Who, who did win Rookie of the Year? Do we find out tomorrow? We find out tonight, actually. Tonight. We find out tonight. We find out tonight? Okay. Yeah. Uh, who? I, I think Malcolm Brogdon. I think we talked about that on last, last week. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so difficult to predict who it is because Ben Simmons was out all year. Joel Embiid was out all year. Does Dario Sarge? He, I think he's in the conversation. I think the three are Joel Embiid, Malcolm Brogdon, and Sarge. Get this. Buddy Heald. Through the first part of last season when he was with the Pelicans, he shot 37% from three. His minutes were at 20 a game. He goes to the Kings. His minutes go up. His points go up, obviously. But his shooting percentages go up across the board. He shot 43% from three-point range in those 23 games with the Kings. So usually like when guys like that just get thrown in and say, oh, we'll see what you, see what you can do at the end of the season— the efficiency goes down because the production and, and what they're being asked of goes up so much. He was so much more efficient, and he was the focal part of their offense. Yeah, I didn't like the way New Orleans handled his whole rookie season. Because it's like, he's a shooter. Let Sometimes shoot. shooter goes th shooters go through slumps, and if you got a shooter and he's kind of struggling a little bit, and then you just take away all his minutes together, and three games in a row he's off the floor, doesn't play a minute, that's not going to help anything. You just got to let him fight through it, and New Orleans didn't do that. No, no, they were, uh, New Orleans is weird, but I'm glad that he's off the Pelicans and I'm glad that he's on the Kings team because it looks like now that they have a direction that they want to head after all the DeMarcus Cousins 
fiascos and debacles and everything like that. Draft night, I agree with you. They won draft night. You get De'Aaron Fox. Then they get Justin Jackson, who can anchor the wing. Rudy Gay is probably obviously not coming back. Uh, Collison's probably not coming back. And if you've got a big man rotation with Scal and Willie Colley-Sign and now Harry Giles, if he can stay healthy, but there were reports before the draft that everybody was really optimistic about his health and his medical records and things like that. Um, what are we going to talk about next? I want to ask you about how you feel about Golden State Warriors making that trade to move into the draft, giving up $3.5 million to go grab Jordan Bell. Uh, it's a good move. It's a good move. Yeah, it, they paid a lot. The rich they, get they richer is paid, kind of just the way it's going. They paid a lot of money. I When you said the Warriors, I thought you were going to ask me about the uh, the guy that showed up in that stupid hat the other day. Uh, in case you missed it on Twitter, if you're a Thunder person, you probably don't want to go look this up. But Kevin Durant in ultimate Kevin Durant troll mode decided to create a cupcake hat. But it was not a normal cupcake. Instead of a cherry on top, it had a ring on top. Kevin Durant is in like three finals with the thunder kevin durant in terms of like getting in arguments with people on twitter and being just petty as can be and it's it's it the cupcake thing was like dude what you doing but i also love it i feel like for him he needed it's to great. take that year and he needed to win the ring before he's a smart guy he probably realized that he can't just go out immediately after leaving and just start just go into ultimate troll mode i feel like he knew that he had to at least win the ring before he could return to kind of well, that's why he went to Golden State, because he knew there was going to be – he knew what was going to happen if he went there. But let me tell you one thing. I think a sneaky good pick in that first round – I mean, people may not look at it that way, but Malik Monk in Charlotte – Ooh, he was, he's going to be good. Malik Monk in Charlotte, pairing him with uh, – Dwayne Wade? No. No? <laughs> pairing him with Kemba Walker, Dwayne Wade's not going to Charlotte. It was a joke. You not know, see what their GM said? You showed this to me. If, oh, no. if you're wondering what we're talking Dwayne. about right now, their GM introduced Dwayne Bacon, the kid from Florida State, as Dwayne Wade. Okay. Now that you know that, Dan will continue. Yeah. Malik Monk, I think he's going to be really good. He's just – he's he's very confident in himself because he just he, – he believes in himself. And I think a lot of people say that there's always a fine line between being confident and cocky. And I feel like he's on that line really well. I feel like he's definitely – He's not cocky. He's not J.R. Smith is what you're saying. Yeah, but he's very confident in himself, and he thoroughly believes that he's one of the best players in the draft, and I think that's going to carry him because now he thinks he's got a chip on his shoulder because he felt like he should have gone higher. What, eight guys went, went ahead of him? Was Charlotte picking ninth, or were they? Charlotte picked 11th. Oh, wow, so 10 guys went ahead. A lot of people had him going 8th to New York or possibly even 7th to Minnesota before the trade got before the trade happened. God forbid Chicago take a shooter. And he just kept falling, and, I mean, he, he thinks he went a little lower than he deserves to. He thinks he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Pairing him next to Kemba Walker is going to be a that deadly be combination. Nice. They needed some shooting in Charlotte. They needed some infusion of youth. Malik Monk is one of those guys that's so streaky. He was so streaky last year in college, but stumbling over my words here. When he was hitting, oh, my goodness, he was hitting. When he was stopping, no, when he's he would go on those scoring binges where he would have eight, nine, ten points in a row, and they would just keep feeding it to him, and regardless of where he was, who was in front of him, what, how much time was left on the clock, he was draining them. And it's like you said last week when you're talking about LeBron James, like when he wants to, 
Don't don't start comparing Malik Monk to LeBron James. No, I'm not. I'm just saying in the same type of aspect, he's like one of those players that we were talking about last week with LeBron. Clearly, he's not LeBron. I'm just saying like when he wants to be good and when he's on his game, there's not a lot of people that can stop him. Yeah, yeah. he's he's not got... like Clay Thompson when he's shooting well. There's no there's. We're just gonna compare this rookie kid from Kentucky to all the great NBA players right now. Is what we're gonna do. No, I'm not just comparing him to these guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. Can we go back to Chicago for a second? They gave away a 24 points per game score in his prime that is also one of the best defenders at his position for Chris Dunn and Zach Levine coming off a torn ACL. Can we talk about that for a second? I know we talked about it to begin, but I was so upset. So I have been a Bulls fan for forever. I have always enjoyed watching the Bulls. Probably they're my Eastern Conference team. And then last year, they bring in Rajon Rondo after they bring in Dwayne Wade, and I'm just sitting there face palming, and I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And now this year, we have traded for Cameron Payne, and and this makes Sam Presti, the GM for the Thunder, look so much better. He got Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson, and a second-round draft pick for Cameron Payne and two old guys that aren't going to be on the Bulls next year. Yeah, and when you think about and it, And then too- a couple months later, the Bulls traded... The, a top 10 player in the NBA and a first round draft pick for another point guard that was terrible his rookie season. Yeah. I just, Chicago is so hard to get a read on because just their moves are so bad. They're so sporadic. You think, like, bringing in Dwayne Wade, you're like, well, man, that's really impressive. And then you're thinking they can go get a point guard and they decide to go get Rajon Rondo and you're just like, well... You just want to stop watching the Bulls. That's a little questionable. What, I just want to stop if, watching the Bulls. Out of all the point guards you can go get and you can go give that type of money to, why would you go get Rajon Rondo? Could have brought in Brandon Knight and it would have made so much more sense with the pieces that they uh, had. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you could have gotten that ended up signing to be backups that would have been better than Rajon Rondo. Okay, so... less money. Talking about the Bulls' ineptitude in free agency and on draft night kind of helps transition into what we're going to talk about next and in the sense that, you know, they've got Dwayne Wade still who opted in like two days before they decided to trade Jimmy Butler, who knows the guy that was keeping thing. Dwayne Wade there. So now instead of him opting out of that $24 million contract, they're probably going to have to buy him out of it as well as they're going to have to buy Rondo out. But Rondo's going to be smaller. It's only his deal isn't fully guaranteed. They'd only have to pay him $3 million. But Wade is a very legitimate buyout candidate, as is apparently Carmelo Anthony in New York. And those two guys that's being reported would consider signing at the veterans minimum to go play in Cleveland Daniel, the Cavs whiffed, maybe, we don't really know if if anything was close, but the Cavs whiffed on Jimmy Butler and Paul George on draft day. Um, Obviously, they lose Griffin. Griffin, I'm blanking on his first name. David Griffin? David Griffin, yes. They they lose David Griffin, who Dan Gilbert never really deserved in the first place. And now it's being rumored that they're still interested in Paul George. They might get Dwayne Wade. They might get Carmelo Anthony. Are the Cavs a team to watch out for in free agents? I, I feel like if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers and the rumors of Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony, if they get bought out coming to Cleveland to sign Vetsmans, I feel like you just completely forget about Paul George because then you're like, you, you can throw a lineup out there. You can get those guys without giving up Kevin Love. Yeah, because you can still have Kevin Love, and then you could go out there and throw out a lineup of Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Kevin Love, or... You can put Carmelo and Dwayne Wade on the bench and have them come off and 
I don't know if you start Mello off the bench, but you could certainly bring Wade off the bench and start J.R. Smith in that two-guard spot ahead of him. You've mentioned that before. Yeah, I mean, I feel like definitely if you're able to bring at least one of them, if you're able to convince at least one of them to come off the bench, that I think that puts them right there with the Warriors again. Yeah, certainly. Because Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade, while they're getting older, they're still pretty damn good. Especially if the Warriors end up losing Andre Iguodala, which I think is a very realistic possibility. A lot of people disagree with me on that and say, no, Iggy's going to sign for the minimum and the Warriors are going to convince all their people to sign way under market value and they're going to be the modern age Spurs. And I'm like, well, there was a report, I don't know if you saw this a couple weeks ago, I think it was Mark Stein from ESPN that said that Iggy could look at the $20 million range in free agency and give serious consideration to some other teams. One of the guys, and we talked about this last week, Chris Paul has officially opted out, Blake Griffin has officially opted out, the whispers i guess they were never really whispers but loud shouts into steve Ballmer's face that chris paul was going to leave and head uh, south to play with the spurs those are intensifying i guess they tried to trade lamarcus aldridge on draft day it didn't work we don't really know if they really tried or but it, it was reported uh, that they were looking at moving him i guess that would be to open up gap space for a chris paul I know that Joe Bittner thinks that they're going to go try to get Blake Griffin and replace the Marcus Aldridge with Blake Griffin. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Chris Paul is a more realistic opportunity. Uh, it's also being reported that Chris Paul is a focus or a target Houston's going for the Houston Rockets, which makes no sense to me. Why, why would you do that? James Harden is your point guard, and they proved last year that it worked so well. I, 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 why would you take the ball out of his hands? Houston's one of those teams where they're just kind of like, they, they hit the panic button way too early. In my opinion, yeah, he, he Daryl Morey's great, but like I feel like every off season we go through this with the Houston Rockets, they get kind of close, and they're like, oh well, this might be the team, and then they blow it up in the off season, and they go try to chase that big free that big name free agent. I do feel like for Chris Paul, I definitely think he'll end up either Houston or San Antonio. I I just I don't think he's going back to L.A. and I don't know any other place that he would go. Denver, I would love to see him in Denver. I work out for that. They might. They they could move some pieces. Gallo opted out, I believe, and they could try to move Wilson Chandler, create a slot for him. They could move. They could. That would be interesting. Yeah, but then who's your small forward? Doesn't matter. You've you, got you've you, got Chris Paul. You've got Nikola yeah, Jokic. You two of your scores. Well, but you've still got Jamal Murray and you've got Will Barton and you've got Gary Harris. Don't try to tell me that that wouldn't work. They would I mean, be exciting. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a good combination. I'm just saying, like, to get a guy like Chris Paul. I feel like you'd at least want to keep one of those scores yeah, and well, maybe clear out the three shooting guards you've got. Since you did mention Jamal might, Murray. You might try to get rid of Kenneth Freed if you're trying to bring in Chris Paul because I feel like Kenneth Freed hasn't played since 1994. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're going to get rid of someone for cap space, you keep Wilson Chandler and you send off Kenneth Freed. By the way, Kenneth Freed played like 20 minutes last year, so don't listen to me. What do you think Gordon Hayward goes? You talked about this. Last week, you said that maybe Indiana should try to shoot for him and pair him with Paul George. There was a report that Paul George wouldn't mind playing with Gordon Hayward. Where do you think he ends up? Boston seems like a likely place. Uh, Boston's going after him pretty heavy. There's, To be honest with you, I don't think he leaves Utah. I think Maybe Dan Danny Ainge could try to put the heart cell on him because it doesn't seem like Danny Ainge wants to trade any of the things that he has that he has accumulated, even though the whole point of getting assets is to use them to acquire these big-name players. He didn't want to go after Paul George. There were reports that he didn't want to include the third pick. He didn't want to include next year's Nets pick. He didn't want to include the pick that they got from Philly. So if he's going to try to add someone, might as well be Gordon Hayward in free agency and we don't have to give anything else up, right? 
that definitely. If you don't want to give up your assets, then you got to go make a signing in free agency. Keep adding to it. Uh, okay, so we have our first fan submitted question, Daniel, uh, ever as a podcast. This is big, and, what, uh, and this is a good question, by the way, from George Storia, who is the sports editor at the OU Daily. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's fantastic. He's one of my favorites. One of my good friends, he asks us, is Russell Westbrook a god? Daniel, I'll throw this one to you first. Is Russell Westbrook a god? I don't even know what to say. I just, he's definitely, I mean, when you got a guy who does what Russell does, dresses the way Russell dresses, and then has a kid that manages to look like exactly him, just, that's a baby. He is Zeus. He is Zeus reincarnate, and he plays for the Thunder. I mean, he how bre- how ironic is that? Because Zeus wields lightning, and Russell is very electric on the basketball court. I mean, Coincidence? I, I mean, I think not. I don't know if you can say he's a god, but I definitely I don't think he's human. He is a Greek god. He is the he is Zeus reincarnate. Thank you, George. This uh, that all just kind of came together on the spot, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Zeus wields the lightning. Russ plays for the Thunder. I feel like you thought about this way too much. No, this all happened on the spot. <laughs> this is right here in the moment. Russell Westbrook is so good, though. I mean... He is a god. Russell, yes, George, he is a god. If we're being completely honest... We're not even going to use stats to back this up. We're just Russell Westbrook gets way more criticism than he really deserves. Because you look at the kind of person he is and what he did, he could have very easily left, but he didn't. And he's making the most of his opportunity here in OKC. Then he goes out and drops 30, 10, and 10. First, first guy I mean, since he, Oscar did it in, in the 60s to average a triple-double. I mean, just to kind of use an example of he doesn't get the respect he deserves. Like, Oscar Robertson does it, and I guarantee you not a single person calls him a stat patter. Well, it's, but Russell it, it, Westbrook goes out and does it, and you're calling him a stat patter because he's making all these great passes, and you're just like, well, you can't win with the guy because if, if he's just scoring the ball and he's not passing, then you're like, well, he doesn't pass it. He's just shooting the ball. But when he's passing the ball, you're like, well, he's trying to stat, pa- like stat pad, and he doesn't care about playing defense or because he's always going for rebounds. But like, what do you expect him to do? Do you expect him to just not go for a rebound and let the other team get it? I mean, to be fair, he doesn't play defense a lot. No, he's not. He's not, not one of the better defenders. But when he wants to be, he can play defense. But most of the time, he doesn't really. He takes that end of the floor off. I mean, they, and they he's killed the thunder with that in the past they gave up that game winner to ricky rubio last year because russ just didn't want to play defense he did it to Alfred payton too um okay we got to move on we're going to take a break uh when we come back we are going to talk about uh another orange team that took a two-game lead into the final day before the championship series and lost uh we will be right back daniel sighing this is the pd and pd podcast Surprise, surprise, we still don't have any ads, uh, but that's fine. We're going to take this time to talk to you about something that's a little bit different. Uh, if you if you hear the song in the background that's playing right now, played in the intro, played in the outro, played in last week's episode, uh, It yes, it is Future's Mask Off, but it is an instrumental that was created by a YouTuber. Uh, what I think would be cool moving forward, last week we talked to you about getting your guys' content, uh, questions, submissions, funny jokes stuff whatever into the podcast i also think it would be cool for these intro the background music the outros to have music that's created by people in soundcloud or other platforms like it and include that in our podcast to try to get another platform for those people to have their work 
shared. I think that would be really cool. So we're gonna try to do that moving forward. From here moving forward, we're gonna try to get some other people's cool stuff into our podcast. That might be cool. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're gonna transition to something that isn't basketball for the rest of our time together with you guys. We're gonna talk about the College World Series tonight. The championship series, the men's college world series, is getting underway. Florida is going to play LSU. We're not even going to talk about the fact that the SEC is apparently a powerhouse in baseball or stickball because uh, Florida made the championship series in softball, too. Uh, but we are going to talk about the fact that for the second straight year now, an orange OSU school has won its first two games in the college world series and then lost two straight to get eliminated right before the championship. Daniel, Oregon State lost the top overall seed in the tournament. They won their first two games. They match up with LSU. I just want to say for a real quick second, first time Oregon State and LSU played each other is in the winner's bracket after they both won their first game. Oregon State beats them 13-1. to Oregon State turns around and loses two straight to LSU. And they, hit, they had five total hits. Two. Yeah, they had yeah. five total hits in two games. Yeah, so spoiler alert, Oregon State lost. Uh, LSU figured it back out. Back-to-back games. I don't know if LSU figured it out. Oregon State's bats just died. They weren't really that good to begin with. They weren't top 50 in the country in hits or runs scored. But pitching was really, really good for them as a team. They ranked number one in the country in average ERA or total ERA. Um, and if you just want to keep the comparisons between the two orange OSU teams going, <laughs> same thing happened with OSU last year. Just... When it got down the stretch, they started 2-0. and They got Arizona twice in a row, and the bats failed them. The bat- their batting had been – wasn't this team's strong suit. It was the pitching. And in the College World Series, you got to have both of it. The Armors just got tired. I think that's just what it comes down to. Because they in leading up to this weekend, this past weekend, they had lost four times in 60 games. They were 56-4 and four leading into their final two games, and they lost twice in a row. Which hadn't happened. I don't think they had lost back to back games all season. They hadn't lost back to back games all season. In games that they had played directly after a loss, they were winning by an average of four runs a game. Yeah. It's just, it's it's wild. Bad timing for Oregon State at the end of the season. I just feel like when when it comes down to something like that, it's just, it's tough when it happens end of season because you're like, well, we haven't really experienced something like this all year, so. How are we going to bounce back? But it's great for me because now I can bring up the fact that OSU did the exact same thing last year, too, and keep bugging you about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so LSU obviously won. Uh, and the team that they are facing in the championship series, we saw them beat TCU, what was it, two nights ago? And really kind of a dominant display. They beat TCU in that kind of final elimination game where you win and you're in. And Florida... Alex Fayedo, yeah. Alex Fayedo was unstoppable. He was really good. And he, he started out kind of iffy. I mean, he, he was really good in that first inning. And then the second inning against TCU, he had he missed like seven of eight to open the inning. And then from that point on, it was just lights out for TCU. They couldn't get anything. Yeah, TCU really, like, Alex Fayedo struggled a little bit early, like you said. But after that, he really, really got it going. And let's just talk about the fact that the first time Florida plays TCU, they win 3-0. Alex Fayetto goes seven innings, two hits, strikes out 11, and he blanks him. Yeah. So TCU... And he didn't pitch... He didn't uh, pitch the first game. The second time they played. The the, the nine, What was it, 9-2 loss that they had? Nine. Yeah. 
He didn't pitch that. He game. didn't pitch that game. But then you turn around and you got him again. Second time he goes seven and a third, three hits, four walks, blanks him again, eleven more strikeouts. I also, I do also think that it helped that Florida played the second in, in at the end of Saturday. I, I if they had played because they watched Oregon State do the same thing that they were in in I guess trouble of doing against TCU. They watched Oregon State lose back to back games and get knocked out of the tournament. They're like, we can't do this. We got to be better. So I think that helps from a mental standpoint, but I think the thing that helped them the most was just the fact that Alex Fajardo was unhittable, and he's so good. I mean, he's not wasn't a first round draft pick for no reason. Like I don't know, he was good. Uh, so you've got two SEC schools in the championship that gets underway tonight. Uh, best of three series, Florida LSU. Daniel, who you got? Well, I'm really I'm really curious to see the pitchers that go. I'm I'm interested to see when when Florida throws Fajardo out on the bump. The bump? Yeah. Is that a praise that people use? Yeah. The bump? Yeah. I've always called it the mound. People call it the bump all the time. Why would you call it the you bump? I clearly don't know because it's a it's bump a in the middle of the field. I don't pay attention to baseball as much as you do <laughs> to know the fact that bump is used as a phrase. Well, okay. Well, anyway, I'm really excited to see the No, no. Don't try to go away from this. Is that a real thing? Yes. Okay, we're going to need people that are listening to kind of Tweet at me and say yes, that's a thing, or no, Daniel's crazy because we need to solve this. I don't think he's true. I don't think he's right. I, I don't understand why you're questioning me about sports, Derek. Because it's you said a bump. Okay, when you question me about sports, you always fail. I don't always, always fail. wrong. Also, when you said bump, do you remember that Kevin Hart thing where he was talking about a bum bump, a bum bump? That was funny. okay. We're gonna get back to sports. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. What I was gonna say before you decided to yourself we got I, I'm, I'm really excited to see the possibility of an alex fiedo versus an alex lang matchup because alex fiedo in his two starts has yet to allow a run and alex lang against oregon state in that first elimination game that they had he was also unhittable pretty dang good so if there's I really want to see the matchup between those two, and especially with Zach Hess coming out of the bullpen for L- for LSU. It's it'll be really really interesting to see. I will say this: it'll in the be last a pitching duel between the two. Don't expect a lot of runs. Absolutely, I will say this: in the last month, I've seen Delaney Gourley pitch for Florida's softball team, and I've seen Fayetto pitch for Florida's baseball team, and whatever they got down in Gainesville. I want some of it because they have some fantastic pitchers. And Delaney Gorley is just awesome all around. She's so cool. I got attacked by a bug on live television and she played it off fantastically. <laughs> I feel like definitely it's it's going to be a real big pitching duel because also in that second game for LSU, Caleb Gilbert went out and wasn't as good as Alex Lang, but he was, he was almost as good. Seven and a third, two hits, one run, struck out seven. And for Florida, even though he kind of struggled in that first game against TCU, Jackson Coar is twelve and one on the season. Can't really argue with the numbers. Check the numbers. I mean, he did his part. He didn't hop on. Numbers don't lie. Derek. Check the numbers. He was twelve and one. Started eighteen games a season. You know what that's in reference to? No. No. Kevin Durant. Oh. I'm gonna keep taking shots at Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's gonna keep happening. This is why no one likes us. We were so stupid this week. If people came back after last week, like, they're not going to come back next week. No. No. Daniel just did that, like, he, like, perched his lip and was like, nope, not happening. Nope, it's not happening. But we would love for you to come back because we enjoy this and it's been fun. And we got our first question this week, which is cool. 
Now we just need like more people to answer. I mean, I'm fine talking about Russell Westbrook every week, but send your questions in, guys. Come on. I think on that note, we're probably going to say goodbye. Daniel, anything else you want to add? Uh, not really. Nope. We covered mostly everything. We talked about a lot. Well, uh, I think that's everything we got this week. We were a little bit shorter. We didn't run an hour. That's good. Uh, next week, we're going to have our first guest. Daniel, you excited about that? Damn. You know who it's going to be? I have no idea. Yeah, Daniel doesn't know. You guys don't know. You're going to find out next week. Uh, be following the PDPD podcast on Twitter. Uh, that is at PD podcast, P-E-T-E-Y podcast on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following Daniel on Twitter. I still can't get him to change his name to Dr. PD on Twitter, but it is what? D-R-P-E-T-E underscore 21 on Twitter. Is that what it is? It is uh, D-R-P-E-T underscore 21 you are yep, correct that is that's that's what it is and then obviously if you're not following me make sure to do that i don't know if you, how you would have found this if you weren't following me but it's dr pd 15 follow us on twitter send your questions in this week we will uh, try to make things a little bit better next week we're gonna have our first guest it's gonna be exciting uh yeah see ya <laughs>